0: TREASURE OF THE ANCIENT KING PART ONE THE FORGOTTEN PRINCE Chapter 8 Now, it is with the mention of that white glint, spat onto the prince by the dragon, as it was recounted in the recollections of Sir Rabrand de Moybray, that we at long last come to the beginnings of my role in the affairs. For, as any treasure hunter will tell you, it can be, and most often is, the most minuscule of specks the most ephemeral of flecks that will lead the seeker to his prize. His or her work is not like that of an architect and his building. No, he or she does not plan and consider in finest detail every aspect of its design to satisfy its formation. But I am not saying that the treasure hunter need not plan. Nor is the treasure hunter's work the work of the librarian who must scour every inch of a papyri, in search of an elusive reference. Though search the hunter must do, if he or she wishes to find anything good. No. Instead, the seeker of precious artefacts, shall we call him, he must have his eyes on the opportunity when no one else is looking, for his library is every moment of his existence. He must consider the blueprints of society, economy, political affairs, and plan his navigation along their networks, with utmost care, in order to maximise the possibility of the inception of the hunt, and be ready for it when it strikes, wherever it may be. For this reason, then, I had pricked up my ears at the very mention of this white glint. You see, though I had heard Rabran's story of the Forgotten Prince before, I had somehow missed this detail, no doubt because I had fallen asleep by this point on the previous occasions you must understand that I have an intuitive second sense for antiques, honed over many years of occupation in the business, and an ardent interest in those articles which carry particular magical or historical interest. As Rabran brought his tale to a close, my mind was frantically piecing together the scraps of the story relating to the White Glint, as it was described, and its relationship to the Forgotten Prince. I share these magpie-like traits with the dragons themselves, you see, who are famed for their attraction to rare and valuable items. Raburn, was it possible that you had managed to secure the item, I imagined? Keeping it secret from me all this time, by will or ignorance? I slapped my thigh. Phooey, your imagination is running away from yourself, Oswald. My inner conservative rebuked. Don't let the old tales of adventures blunt your hard nose for business. Don't forget that everything is still riding on the delivery at Juddheim, it argued. On the other hand, the spirit of the treasure seeker within me had not had its last words on the matter. If my suspicions were correct, the stakes were infinitely high. You could tell that Drabran was bringing his telling to a close. His last faithful listeners were beginning to stir and, sensing the meandering tone, were arranging their positions on the way to their beds. The prince were a changed man after the battle, Rabrun went on. Whatsoever this dragon had given it, twere of inestimable value, as he refused even to speak of it, explained Raburn, squinting at us, whilst he was recovering at the hand of the and nurses. I noticed him retrieving it from his pack from time to time to examine it carefully. Now, as for the love-match with the Lady of it was doomed. All despite Bryonet's heroic acts atop the castle keep. Why, you ask me? Well, this iron-headed beggar of a prince had treated the lady's visits to his hospital bed with the same kind of awkward unresponsiveness which we had observed at their first meeting. And, as of being a woman of fiery blood, not disposed to the receiving of feeble solicitations. Her calls tailed off before long. He sighed. Adam's shame if you ask me. Rabran took a regretful sip from his glass of elk beer. The prince seemed to have more on his mind. My time had come. It was the pearl of wisdom, I pronounced. Was it not? Ah, yes, smiled Rabran. Brother, please, why don't you elaborate for us? Rabron invited me, stepping back from the centre of the room. For the young uns, if none else, they do well to hear it from an expert. I nodded and continued. As you will likely be aware, the pearl was a treasure of King Grafalda himself, created to guide him and the then future kings and queens of Ibernia. Noticing the darkening room momentarily come a light, at the mention of the pearl. I took the opportunity to turn my own tale among the assembly. But, during the reign of the three kings, the pearl, as well as many other precious jewels, were taken during a vicious dragon raid, I declared, then added parenthetically, the speculative lawmaster would perhaps suggest that the theft was a punishment for the corruption of these later monarchs and the sedition of their subjects. A cos sounded in Rabran knowingly, we can assume, then, that amongst those itinerant dragons, that is, by accounting for their incredible ages, there could surely have been a younger Falendir. Without well, doubt, agreed Rabran, as I was reaching my climax. And given the scant details of your tale, Rabran, and should they not be apocryphal, one might suggest that the silvery gem given to the prince was in fact the very pearl of wisdom itself. Indeed possible. Announced Rabran. Absolute codswallop! Snarled Pathinia. I laughed out loud, with my palms around my belly, at the sheer venom of her comeback. You have to admit it, Rabbi. I said, looking to the beleaguered knight. It would be a bit of a push. A bit of a push! Repeated Pathinia. A bit of a push! She rose to her feet, as if certain elements of this story were already somewhat of a tug. On the fabric of plausibility, hastily knotted to the distant shores of reality, and buffeted by the capricious winds of vertiginous fancy, she elocuted impressively. Look, I replied to her, wiping a tear of laughter from my eyes. There's no need to make it personal. It's just a story. She was having none of it. But that's just it, she said. These are the stories, the fables, and the legends that hold our society in their thrall. No, the corruption of our lands is not in the hands of crafty dragons, nor even their real-life counterparts. We're ripping ourselves apart with our constant addiction to untruth and superstition, dreams of a long-lost age that probably never was anyway. Watch your tongue, young lady, spoke Rabrin. You owe a great deal to the traditions of your fathers. Sure thing, but nothing to your doggerel, she sneered. Ouch, I jested. She threw me a cold stare. Rabron was too proud to seethe, but his face was painted with an expression of deep dismay. How would you explain it then? he demanded. Why did the forgotten prince disappear after the liberation of the Freelan state? When the world was at his feet? he cried. Surely 'twas the lore of the pearl and its sisters. You see, explained Rabron addressing his audience in his final turn as the Raconteur This crystal is one of the five artifacts belonging to the first king of Ibernia, Grifalda the Great. Each one has been lost and found, lost and found again in the following ages. Each one has led its wearer on a mighty quest upon its receipt. Each one has granted the conqueror of that same quest with the righteousness and prudence needed to preside over the Iberian Senate as king. Oh, how the prince's heart would have burned within, he beamed with fiery eyes, to have heard his destiny foretold. Who his soul would have leaped, reeling at the opportunity to seek his calling, an adventure that would have led him to encircle the world and to return home as its most glorious regent. He couldn't help himself. Aye, as soon as his injuries were healed, he'd consult with the pearl and embark on a journey of a lifetime. A forgotten prince, but not lost. For one day, see? At this, his aging voice began to crack. Hey, one day, one day he will return to ascend to his rightful throne. A true king for Ibernia. Bravo! shouted the wizard, visibly excited at the thought. Rabran pursed his lips with proud satisfaction. Pft! <laughs> spat Parthenia, unimpressed at the two of them. She began. First? We have to take your far-fetched recollections as read, which is far from advisable, considering their contents do not allow the simplest of explanations. Which is, objected the knight, that the prince died of his injuries, she said. That's damned unthinkable, Raburn protested. The body, the witnesses, the scars. Shh, Rabbi, I said to him. He was raving. pothinia continued. Second, of any man in the whole world, he seems the least likely to chase such a dream. For the one, he was already next in line for the position you have suggested. And for the other, he seemed to have little interest in his royal estate. Pathinia fluttered her eyelids at Rabran innocently. That is, if the character you have sketched out is accurate. Rabran merely beat his breast. Pathinia returned her attention to the rest of us. Third, the man has never returned, so either the forgotten prince is dead and all hope is lost, or more likely the expedition that he embarked upon was a failed one. She asserted, merely an excursion of the imagination, it's the domain of fruitless triviality. She continued, acting out her dismissal with ruthless poise. An outcome not unlike the one achieved by this evening's enterprise. Rabran slumped onto a nearby wall. I felt for his cause. I knew of his faith in his nation, and could even feel somewhat for his love of noble endeavours, but the old storyteller had been dissected and found wanting by his adversary that most pernicious of lawyers, a truthful one. The brutal barrister didn't even raise a smile, and as soon as she finished speaking, the candlelight seemed to dim, and the bench began to disperse. Wait a moment, whispered a squeaky voice. For a moment, I believed a mouse had been invited onto our scene. The wizard darted out from under my elbow, I am prepared to differ from your argument, young lady, he continued, his voice less nasal than it was at first. Oh, why is that, replied Pithynia, still resplendent in her magnanimity. Because of this, said the wizard, and he held out a small object in his palm. This excerpt was read by D.A. Clark, the author of the piece. Please note that this is a draft and as such does not represent the quality of the final version. If you would like to find more excerpts, please visit anchor.fm forward slash David 908.